This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. A very happy podcast uh, this week, I'm sure. Um, but a podcast would not be the same if it was just my uh, voice. So, Dan, as always, welcome back to the pod, mate. Yeah, I'm not going to leave you on your own. <laughs> but I'll leave you a little gap to get your worries. Oh, no, I'm on my own. <laughs> no, going solo. Well, I've got the dog here. Maybe maybe the dog's up for a podcast. He probably talks more sense than me and you. Unless he turns up more than, more than Andy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to keep winding him up until he turns up again. Those not, uh, the dog's not the only one with claws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, mate, how's your, how's your week been? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, yes, nice. Three nil victory last night. Always puts a spring in your step the next day, doesn't it? Yeah, it it, it does, mate. It feels a little bit weird. I mean, I'll, I'll get onto it in a sec, but um, very yeah, rare but, feeling. That's why. <laughs> very very rare feeling. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, one thing I wanted to bring up is completely unrelated, but. Um, I went to Blackpool on Sunday and you know all the crap you get in shops and candy floss and all that business. Well, me and Josh, little boy, love candy floss, right? Now, you've obviously heard of strawberry candy floss. You've heard of blueberry candy floss. Have you ever heard of cannabis-flavoured candy floss? (laughs) Seriously. I haven't, though. I mean, what person thought, oh, this is what the kids want. This is what little Timmy, six-year-old Timmy wants, is cannabis-flavoured. Candy floss. The world's gone mad, mate. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't bring you any back. I apologise. We'll have to wait until we go Blackpool together. You're, you're all right, thanks. Okay. Yeah, I just couldn't imagine wanting to eat that. I genuinely couldn't. Okay, so did it, did it have that rank smell as well? The goes of cannabis. If I'm honest, I just saw it from a distance and I just thought, just no. I, <laughs> Yeah, I must admit there was actually a lot of it left on the shelf, so people clearly weren't buying it. But um, yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, me and you will buy some uh, some other things next time we go. Some rock, which you don't pay six quid a time for. That'd be nice. Um, anyway, let's get on to more happy things. Um, yeah, mate, the words "comfortable three nil win" um, they don't come up very often. Uh, Captain Fantastic yet again is turning up this season, which was one of the, the main things that I think me and you spoke about last year was it is it was it just a, a January to the you know May type situation for Baker. Um but I think you're probably safe to say that he started this season pretty much as well as he as he finished last, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think there's been the odd game this season, hasn't it, where he hasn't really shown up, he hasn't really gotten into it and mm-hmm. and people were wondering, you know, was that just a sort of a flash in the pan those Six months, you know, the end, back end of last season. Uh, but I do think, you know, when he's had, like, when you know, Josh Loran was alongside him at the start of the season, that sort of just clicked straight away. I thought he played well with him. I think he did go off the boil when he got injured after those yeah. initial, you know, first three games. And I think he maybe struggled to find a rhythm. Obviously, he lost Joe in the summer, brought in Josh Loran, got a bit of a relationship game with him that he's now missing and but now like I say the last couple of games he's just well last night really he sort of picked his levels well up and uh, I think was it I think it was Blackburn maybe as well he had a good game as well mm-hmm. um so they've been sporadic of late but that was yeah 
fantastic um, from him last night. Two goals and assist. Can't really ask for much more, can you, from a midfielder? No, and I think for me, what that says is that you know he just wants a settled player and quality player around him. Um, I mean, the the the, I think the confidence more than anything else kind of oozes out of him when he, when he's got a good quality midfield around him. And I think changing it every couple of games, whether it's for injuries or suspensions or whatever it is, I don't think is the type of player who reacts well to that type of situation. Um, maybe I know he's 27, I think it is, um, 27, 28. So either way, you know, he's not he's not a young lad, but he's still probably he's still probably gaining experience right now in this division and you know, trying to trying to find his feet. So all the signs are good, mate. We are I mean, it's funny because whenever he scores, even if you're not watching the game, you know it wasn't a tap in. Um, and it was a cracking move for that third goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you say that, I mean, has he scored, other than penalties, has he scored from inside the box yet? I don't believe I think, so, no. I don't think, I think all of his goals have been screamers like outside the box. He looks mm-hmm. like bottom, bottom right hand corner, well, to the keeper's left, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, seems to love, just loves stroking the ball into there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Long, the cl- long mate, the carry on. <laughs> yeah, mate, I hope, I hope so, because again, if, if we can get, I mean, how many has he got this season? Three? Four? Four. Four. Um, if he's got and four he already. And he's missed a penalty. I mean, it's over the course of a season, that's a lot of goals. Probably more than even, a, I dare say, a Steven and Zonzi ever got. <laughs> Steven, I think Steven and Zonzi scored more than three in a season for us. Then no. he, he did, he, I think, Inzo, that was the one thing that was frustrating with Zonzi when he stepped up and tried it, he inevitably did find the back of the net. He had it in his locker. He just never really used it, did he? He played... I remember, I think it was Mark Hughes made a comment once, and he said like he was trying to get it to be more expansive and, and and taking a few more risks, he says. But he had to... He says every time he said it to you, Stephen Zodley was like, no, boss, I don't like giving the ball away. <laughs> He's like, well, no, I don't want to give the ball away. I hate it. <laughs> Well, he didn't do too bad against Liverpool when he uh, bent that one into the top corner. Yeah, you probably felt it at 4 0 already. You probably thought, yeah, if I give the ball away, it doesn't really matter. I'll have a gig. <laughs> You'll have a go. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, one thing I wanted to speak to you about as well. So, I made this comment on the last part, I'm pretty sure I did, where I was saying about the whole fact we got cancelled for, for Luton and how this is going to work in our favour. Do you see. The, the result we got and the way in which we played, do you think that was a direct result of having more time on the training pitch to not necessarily change everything dramatically, but just get things and ideas across to the players? Yeah, yes. I think obviously we've had a new manager come in um, and he obviously wants to put his own style on. He's got his own tactics and he does. He needed time on the training ground. I think we were, we were never going to have that initial sort of burst if you like because that usually comes more when the dressing rooms sort of lost the managers lost the dressing room mm-hmm. and then obviously a new man comes in and the players start playing again quite you know quite honestly when when uh, Mark, uh, Michael O'Neill came in obviously I think the Nathan Jones had lost that dressing room hadn't he? yeah and yeah, that's why we had the results straight away because all of a sudden the players' levels just went through the roof because they all started, they wanted to give up with Nathan Jones. Let's be honest, whether that's professional, unprofessional, whatever, they gave up towards the end of his reign and Michael O'Neill came in and all of a sudden they all switched back on and they were all interested again. And so that's why I think, that's why I think we missed that burst with Neil because I don't think they weren't trying for O'Neill. I think it just wasn't happening, was it? No. Um, no. But obviously, yeah, he, Alex Neal, now he's at the time on the training ground, we looked. And I think as well, there's not. it's it's also people like Delap and Gale playing together. You saw like the movements and the one, you know, the sort of interchange between them two and laying off to each other, playing one-twos and stuff off night. That comes from playing with each other and learning each other's games. And again, exactly. training, being on the training ground helps. Being on the pitch, playing against somebody helps as well. Well, people were saying about you know Gale and and, and Delap, oh, they haven't scored yet. To be honest, I don't care if they don't score a single goal. If they're there setting play up for other people, as long as we score, I, I genuinely don't care less. 
I think they will score goals because they are strikers. They will find ways. They'll they'll all play together. Get used to how they're playing. Think of different ways to to kind of score their own goals. But I mean, in my opinion, I say that you're right, mate. Spot on. They you could you could see for that goal they were linking up play brilliantly. Um, and yeah, like you said, that doesn't come from switching strikers every five minutes. Um, they are, I think, our best three. And I'll give my predictions later on uh, for for team lineup. But uh, I think you nailed it. To be honest, the only th- one of the things I wanted to ask as well, obviously, Bakes was was great. Um, any other particular standouts for you from the game? I mean, you've got to give credit to to Bursic, although Alex Neil would tell you that he just expects it anyway. But uh, Bursic did really well coming in last <laughs> minute. But was there anybody else who kind of stood out for you? Yeah, I like I like that. Just just before he's gone to that, I like that comment from Neil where he's like, he's sort of taking the excuses away from him. Yeah, and he's not letting them sort of dwell on things or giving them excuses why they aren't winning games. It's like, no, you you should be winning. The, the, if this happens, like, excuse me, friend, shit happens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't go with the stereotypical pundit or, you know, radio state presenter or whatever, whoever's interviewing him. He doesn't just, when they feed him a line, he doesn't just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally will very happily, but I can go, no, that's a load of rubbish. The professional footballers are paid to do a job. I expect effort, blah, blah, blah. That's what I love about him already so yeah. far. He just won't speak bull because that's the way that the media typically like to see a manager play. I I, I love it. I really do. I think these young lads will really benefit from that as well. Because, yeah, they can't hide. Yeah, when they are sort of looking around and you know, say when things aren't going their way and they all, and they sort of moping a bit as they have done and not mainly because they haven't really had players around you, know, other players around them, maybe not enough experience around them to drag them all, you know, drag them back up. Now I don't think they'll know that's not allowed. They'll know that they won't, they aren't able to do that. Um, but yeah, as as for other players, um, just to answer what you actually asked me, <laughs> um, I think Morgan Fox, although maybe not as you know the outstanding player on the team or anything, I thought he was very solid again in that left centre half position, and I think maybe that's deserves a mention due to you know obviously the amount of stick he does get. Well, we, we've supported does. him all this time, mate. We've never said a bad word against him, <laughs> have we? <laughs> I just think when he has, he, he just, um, yeah, from the level expected of him, he was high <laughs> over that, shall we say. Fair enough. And, and one player I was really surprised, mate. I mean, if if I've missed this, then tell me. But how the hell did Josh Timon play at the, on Tuesday? Because there was no mention in the in the news, from what I can remember. There was no mention in his press conference, from what I can remember. Was that a bit of a tactical yeah. move there to not even mention him? 100%. I think he knew, he knew the manager knew he was coming back and obviously he is he's our main attacking threat a lot of the time. He also um, you know, conducts how we play. If he's not in the team, we have to change entirely how we build attacks and where we attack from. And I think the fact that he what he didn't want to do was say, oh yeah, Josh Tyler's going to be back. It's going to be brilliant. And now Hull be like, all right, okay, well we'll plan for that then. But that's really unusual. You don't get managers doing that anymore. I seem to remember, was it United years back? Was it Gary Neville's? Someone was pretending to go around on crutches to say that he was injured, <laughs> and he wasn't. I can't remember who it was. Um, but you don't see managers doing that type of stuff anymore. They give it all away in press conferences. If that's what's going to happen, mate, we'll have Harry Clark back next week. <laughs> I think I think he should. I think he, not that Harry Clark. Like, I think I think he, that's how we should do. That's how we should, he should play it. I think a lot of the time is like um, reporters get word from like training grounds or they they watch training, don't they? And they see players, you know, coming back or there's videos put out and and stuff like that. So I wonder if I think he's like I say I think the manager's going to be playing it very. Sort of, you know, on his terms, whatever suit, whatever suits us, whatever's best for us, he'll quite happily, you know, you um, get book the trend if you like, like you're saying there. It's not something that you often see, but all, I'm all for it to be honest. 
Yeah, too right, mate. And long may continue. It certainly makes our predictions even harder every week then, doesn't it? Uh, you, have <laughs> yeah. to, you have to literally start figuring out, okay, well, they said it was going to be six weeks from this date. <clears throat> you have to have a little calendar in your bedroom just to see. I mean, it wasn't even... Um, it wasn't even just that. When the team come out, he wrote the, the team sheet was written and it was Wilmot, Flint, Fox, Tymon. Then the three midfielders, then Brown, um, Gale, and Delap. So if you looked at that, usually you would have your defenders, wouldn't you? Then your midfielders, then your strikers. Mm-hmm. If you read that, are you as as Hall? If they get that sheet in front of them, because obviously the sheet doesn't, te- the sheet's not going to tell them exactly where players are playing, is it? No. Eat up until kickoff, they probably didn't even know what formation we were playing because they'd look at that and think. Well, I'm reading this. Does that Ben Wilmot is he right back in time and left back and Flint and Fox in the centre halves? Or are they the three centre halves? And then are you in team midfield? Does Time and, and Brown are they wing backs with the three midfielders between them? And they think, but then usually you put your right player first, then your left player after, and they switch that around. So it's like he knows every trick in the book. It sounds you know like I mean? it, yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And he's He's quite well, it no, being on the hand, keeping things away from the opposition, that's what's going to help us win football matches. They cannot prepare, so if they if they don't know what we're going to do, they can't prepare for it until they're out on the pitch. It's mate, it's, it's refreshing, it really is. Some, mm. so, some are different. Um, what I'm going to ask you as well, man of the match polls, Dan. So normally we have to put man of the match polls out after we've lost and. Uh, normally, Stewart and Block Nine <laughs> gets a vote, and the corner flag one. gets one. He did, good old Stewart and Block Nine. Well done. Um, <laughs> who who actually uh, did finish top this week? Who would you Who would you say is your uh, Where does your vote go? Well, it's, it's got to be the captain, on it. It's got to be Bakes. Yeah. So I even got the thing of. Um... Well, why are we even bothering having a vote <laughs> for man of the match? Yeah. Um, but yes, Lewis Baker, 135 votes for Lewis Baker out of 202. Wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, compre- comprehensive then. Yeah, so second place was Jacob Brown with 13, which was interesting because he was at right wing back. Found so, a new place. Yes, so obviously Alex Neal, other than you know getting into the role, he's obviously listening to this podcast as part of his as part of his job here, isn't he, as manager of Stoke City, because it was us who were champion. Well, I say it was. It was, it was me. you, let's be honest. <laughs> he was championing me at Lafayette, and he made some very strange noise when I, when I said it, didn't he? <laughs> he did, mate. Um, but yeah, he's playing well there, isn't he? He's, he's, he's proving, you know, that he can do the role. Obviously, he did it at Barnsley, but it's a way of getting another attacker on the pitch as well which I think is something Neil would like. Yeah, well, mate, you can't you can't argue with Brown. He's going to work his backside off. He's not the best defender in the world, but that role is not about being the best defender in the world, is it? Let's be honest. It's it's, it's about the attacking play. So Yeah, it's about having a good engine. And I think yeah. somebody at the nail on the head when I saw a comment, um, sorry, put the fact of his energy and his running will hide a lot of any kind of tactical or um, ability deficiencies that he's got by just how much he will, you know, effort and running around he does. Uh, but yeah, just to finish the man of the match, so Dulap finished in third with 10 votes, Dwight Gale was fourth with seven. Uh, somebody added team performance, um, so that got seven votes as well, which I think is pretty fair. Yeah, and then we've got Wilmot, Bursic, Thompson, um, Aidan Flint. So, John O'Leak said, not Sam Klukas. That got three votes. <laughs> um, uh, Bob Amnett said, sick note is back. And uh, Tom Meller, steward block nine, spotted him in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's clearly been listening to this pod as I've been asking for <laughs> yeah. it. Well done. Um, okay. Well, I'll let you have any final thoughts after this, mate. But obviously... Uh, Hull and Back podcast have always obviously give us previous audio and they've uh, kind of given us their post-match thoughts um, as well, which uh, I'll be honest, I'm very much looking forward to. So let's see what they had to say. 
from a whole city perspective, it's it was well, it was a very disappointing performance, um, especially considering the start that we had this season. You know, and we can try and hide behind the fact that we've had a lot of injuries, but the majority of that team that's out there, what was out there last night, sorry, um, you know, the likes of Sari, uh, Tufan, Estepinion, these are players that were all you know catalysts to that really good start, but. You know, we were just toothless, we're too static. Um, we don't ask enough questions, we don't create enough chances. We play almost like the away side at home at the minute. And I think, you know, the, the, the lineup we chose was pretty strange. The inclusion of Tyler Smith, for example, when, you know, we, we got someone like Demetrius Pelkas on the bench, who's a real game changer. And it's just strange. I think it's frustrating from our perspective because, you know, we've signed so much attacking talent and we decided to play a five at the back with the. And, and it's a system really that doesn't seem to be working for us this season. And our attacking style it seems to have stopped. Um, we we were too slow with the ball. We're we're not really taking defenders on, and it's just too easy to defend against us. And you know, Stoke took advantage of that. I mean, you know, the 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 free kick I think you know wasn't really a foul, but we can't complain about him. You um, still got to defend it and cruel deflection. Second goal is terrible defending. Third goal is really good move. You know, at the end of the day, we've only got ourselves to blame. We didn't really create any chances to win the game, and and Stoke took the chances that they had. Um, you know, you, I think you had twice the amount of shots that we did, so we can't really complain, can we? Um, yeah, very disappointing night for us, definitely. Lovely, cheers, boys. Appreciate that audio, and uh, yeah, I think I agree. I, I don't think Hull were at the, at the races really, um, and trust us. You know, we we've been there, and no doubt we'll all be there again before the end of the season on many of occasions. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if it's, a, if it's a short-term thing in terms of your drop-in form. I think that's three on the bounce now, I think you've lost. Um, so I know you've kind of got players injured, but I guess I guess most, most teams do. So it'd be interesting to see whether you can find a winning formula. You've still got a cracking striker, so I'm sure you'll be back to winning ways soon enough. But um, yeah, we'll speak to you guys uh, later on the season. So... Dan, that pretty much does this for, for this particular section. So um, just kind of moving on in terms of club news, there hasn't actually been an awful lot uh, this week, if I'm honest with you. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, because we were talking about, you know, backups. You mentioned Morgan Fox there is obviously more naturally a left back. Eric Peters signing for West Brom on a free. Um, I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of Stoke fans potentially would have had him back as a backup to time. And I, I think I would. I, I guess... He's not a wing back. We don't. We, I think we know that. But would you have had him as a backup player? Yeah, for, for the nostalgia of it all. <laughs> um, I think he's a solid. He's a solid left back, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think he can probably play left side of the uh, left side of a back three as well. So yeah, I think I think if he was coming, he wouldn't be a backup. Would he? He'd have to come in as a as a starter just because of his wages, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, mate. And to be fair, West Brom are losing 3-2 right now at uh, home to Birmingham as we speak. They were 3-1 down. They've just managed to pull one back. Um, that manager was from a penalty, so it's not exactly an open play. But either way, mate, they're, they're not having the best of times, West Brom. So maybe Eric Peters can go there and do well. No doubt he'll do well against us uh, when we face them. Um, but yeah, so one man I wanted to shout out as well, and a man that you will remember very, very well, Mr. Good John Thorderson. Orthodox, or however you want to bloody pronounce it. Uh, 67 today, mate, he is. Uh, and for me, still one of Stokes' best recent-ish managers that we've ever had. I think the stats would probably say he's, he's up there, I think, in the top five. I'm pretty sure he is for, for greatest ever uh, stats and win, win, win ratios. I still won't forget the, ta- the day I found out he was sacked, having got his promotion, mate. That was, uh, yeah, that was a bit surreal. Um but yeah, happy birthday to, to good old good John. Uh, let's have it. I'm going to put you on the spot now. What was your favourite match um, and results, shall we say, under under good John? I'm going to say you're going to say the Cardiff Ulari's backside, but um, any other games stand out from you? Oh, there's, there's a few on there. Let's see. Got mm. the, the Bristol City game at Wembley, the auto windscreens final. God, yes. Um, Remember the was it Chesterfield who beat five one? Oh yes, yeah. Four one scored four. Yeah. Um, that that three months that followed that towards the end of that season was was brilliant. 
I even think like the um, the Gillingham game, the home leg that we won three two. I know it all went turned a bit sour in the second leg, didn't it? But yeah, I think the first leg was because I think we scored after like twenty seconds. Glogson scored this worldy goal from like thirty five yards, and uh, I think we played really well that day. Just we we always played. We've, although we played five at the back, he knew how to play with wing backs, didn't he? Oh, we did. Yeah, he really did. And, and yeah, we had Mikhail Hansen. Um, he was using Clive Clark, wasn't it, for a long time on the other side. Uh, but yeah, Hansen especially, you know, coming in, down, getting up and down and putting crosses in. And then obviously you had Bjarni and, you know, Hoekstra. You know, there was always good attackers or good, good providers, weren't there? Oh, Hoogstra, mate. I mean, some of the people listening here, I understand there's probably a lot of, well, we know statistically there's a lot of younger people listening who may have never seen Thordeson's team, um, you know, going to Wembley, as you say, beating Bristol City, one of my all-time favourite memories. Um, it, you know, for, I'll for just kind of finalise one of my favourite memories, actually, Dan. So um, that game where he came off of Laurie's backside, the most peculiar thing, right? So me and my dad were listening to it on the radio, because um, obviously people listened to stuff on the radio back then. Um, they didn't listen to podcasts. Uh, and uh, yeah, generally, as we were watching it, all of a sudden, the um, some random TV channel started showing the game on TV live. Um, I don't know where the heck it came from, because obviously we didn't have streaming back then, really. So it ca- it came on. We turned the radio off and we watched it through. As far as we were concerned, we were sitting there quite downbeat. And then when it comes off Ulari's backside and we end up winning it, oh my God, the scenes in that living room, mate. Um, just, yeah, <laughs> memories like that. So I feel sorry for anyone who didn't get to see Thorson's team. He, so we had some really good memories. Um, moving on, Etebo, someone we've mentioned for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it seems to be that his kind of move is hanging in the balance. Um, I think you said that it was down to a work permit issue, uh, Dan, I believe. Yeah, I've seen reports that you know, they, they, they've gone through for the work permit and they've been rejected and so now obviously they're repealing that but by the time this gets released the window over there will have shut um, so fingers crossed that the authorities have seen sense and let the man work <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not sure there's, a, there's room and we've discussed this and we're not going to go into it but I don't think there's room kind of left for him to come back and especially in that midfield we've got enough quality in that midfield and if I'm in a player in that dressing room and he comes back in and starts getting ahead of me I would be extremely angry that's the type of thing that's caused issues in the past players coming in when they shouldn't have done so I don't think I don't think for a second Alex Neal would have him back no No, not for a second I think he's far too clever for that yeah I think so He's all about marginal gains, and that is a marginal loss. Well, not even marginal loss. It'll be an emphatic loss to your squad morale. Yeah, there's, there's no point. So, hopefully, for everyone's sake, he just disappears uh, by the time this comes out. But the good thing about this is that it leaves, well, two spaces open um, in the 25-man squad. So, um, I mean, Dan, you put a post up. I'm pretty sure it was you, actually. Uh, put a post out with a squad of freebies. Or I think maybe it was the second tier pod, potentially. Uh, I think they put it out. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they did. And then I sort of you know, retweeted it onto our feed and asked people if there was any players that they'd like to take. Um, any particular common uh, denominators? I think to be fair, it was a bit of a... It, it looks a very good team of freebies to me. It did. I think the wages are you probably top half a million pound a week if we sign them all. <laughs> um so I'm going to give you the 11. Money aside, I want to give you realistically who do you think we could afford? And then if money wasn't an issue, which one player out of the 11 would you pick to bring in? Okay? Hmm, okay. So, so it's in an 11. We've got Ben Foster. Yes, I'd have him. 100%. Winston Reid. So Winston Reid. Hector Gary Cale. No, our old KL is about 50, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think they're all getting on a bit, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah forget team. KL. No, I don't want him. 
Okay, Aaron Lennon. No, has been. Danny Rose. Bad attitude. Um, Still waiting mm. for that move to AC Milan. Yeah, I mean, no, because he's got a bad attitude. I don't want any more like that. Uh, Danny Drinkwater. Yes. Fabian Delph. Um, but never been his biggest fan. No, I think I think we've got good enough quality there. Sammy Amiobi. No. Not want to follow in Shola's footsteps. No. <laughs> no. Um, Adele Tarrapt. I mean, what a talent. Yeah, he's, he's, he does, again, it's a bit like Baker, he doesn't do tappings. No, he, he, when he was at QPR, he was very, very talented. You know, Ari Redknapp, he was sort of a bit like Ricardo Fuller, but I think even Rick probably would have looked at him and thought, mate, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, because that's all I remember about him. I must admit, I don't remember much of his play other than that, other than scoring goals. So I'm going to say yes. Just because if he was a backup, then then why not? But I, 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 yeah. yeah, I think he's one of them. If he's motivated and he's fit, then he's obviously going to still have the ability. If he's not, he's probably a liability. And he's, right. he's one of them as well. You probably don't ask him to do anything but what he wants to do. He's one of them kind of players. Free, free spirit. Okay. And uh, leading the line of this team is Matthias Vidra. Um, no, we've got, we've got enough from there. Yeah, no, I, I did. Another, I was actually listening to the second tier podcast the other day. They mentioned Vidra and said that in his five seasons in the championship, he scored 15 or more goals in three of them. And I thought, like, oh, that's interesting. And then I thought, no. Because we're struggling to fit all the strikers, we, we've got to play someone on the wing, the right wing back. <laughs> yeah, on the exactly. We don't, don't need any more. Okay, well, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and wants to give us their additional thoughts on who they'd have in, then um, absolutely send us a tweet, go on Facebook group, whichever it is. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite sure how many I said yes to there, but I think a couple. Uh, fine, but yeah, Ben Foster, I, I 100%, I'd take him. So he's your one, um, Ben Foster's your. Money, no option. Yeah, because I think he's... I know he's, what, is he 39? Um, as long as his head's not completely out of the game, because he's doing a lot of media stuff, a lot of YouTube stuff and all that, as long as his head is still in football, then, I mean, there can't be much better freebies. I mean, I don't know what Begovic is up to. Uh, I don't know if he's got a new contract or what, but um, as far as goalkeepers go, I think we definitely need another one. Um, even if it's just someone older, like, you know, obviously him or, or Bego, who can just push the others around him and up, you know, bring their levels up a bit, even if it's something like that. So yeah, hundred percent, mate. I'd, I'd have him. Uh, well, Begovic, Begovic got a new contract at Everton. He did. And he was on he? the bench in the Merseyside derby last week. So okay, he's I, don't not coming, he, is he? I don't think he's coming to us. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, and moving on to kind of the under 18s, under 21s, any particular low knees, etc., that you might have any updates on, Dan. So, yeah, so obviously um, with the Queen's passing, you know, the Majesty of the Queen's uh, passing last week, all sort of, you know, under 21s, under 18s, uh, the women's games, they were all cancelled last weekend. So there's no results to come back on. But the under 21s are playing on Sunday at the Bet365 Stadium. So they've got a league game against Aston Villa kicking off at 2pm. Under 18s, uh, they obviously didn't play last week, like I said. They are at home this weekend as well. 11 o'clock Saturday, they are playing Manchester United. Oh, just, just a little team called Man United, yeah? Yes, just a little a little side that, uh, you know, we have no, we barely even know the exist, really, do we? No, do much. bunch of nobodies. <laughs> um, but obviously, for anyone who wants to get down, they can sort of go and watch that. You know, the training ground. But yes, uh, the game, unfortunately, I just checked, is not on NU TV this time. So usually they used to put the under-18s games on, but they've got their women's match on instead. So anyone who was thinking of maybe watching it on the uh, NU TV channel, if whatever way you may access that, <laughs> uh, don't bother, because it's not on there. 
<laughs> now, this is also an interesting one, right? Because the, the women's team are playing Liverpool Feds on Sunday, also kicking off at two o'clock at somewhere called Jericho Sports Hub. Now, when I clicked onto the um, when I clicked onto the official site we were on to just you know, re- realize who they were playing, and there, there was a badge, a Watford badge was next to the team. And I thought, oh, Liverpool Feds, why is there a Watford badge there? Um, and then I clicked again, just, and there's now a Man United badge, badge there. What? <laughs> so... Oh, good old quality check by the Stoke City team. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I might just put that on Twitter. Just. <laughs> yeah, FYI, edit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, they're playing somebody. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, so they're playing Liverpool Feds. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> that's what rounds up rounds up the games. Uh, Loney wise, by the way, Mark. Just moving on to that bit. Uh, you mentioned to me yesterday that Will Goodwin scored midweek. Yeah, there was a few. Um, I think it was one or two Loneys that scored, and a lot of ex Loneys as well who scored. Weird day. Yeah, the goals were were flying in Tuesday night. The Stoke related goals. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we had a few game, a few. Douglas James Taylor didn't play for Walsall. I remember that, um, you know, because I was sort of mentioning to you. Obviously, Tom Edwards uh, was still on the bench. He played against Port Vale for Barnsley. Uh, Liam McIron, obviously, at the Vale as well. Um, he was injured. Otherwise, they could have come up against each other as well, couldn't they? Right, you know, right back, left back. Um, Tashan Oakley Booth has been benched by Lincoln, so that doesn't bode well. <laughs> uh, but there was prob- uh, we got to go down to the National League and we've got Eddie Jones, Dan Malone um, David Cogbu and Will Goodwin all playing so we have got some youngsters who did get some game time midweek which is good we did right, we've got to see Will Goodwin on there I think he's scored a couple of goals now, I could be mistaken but I seem to see his name pop up um, a, f- a few times So yeah, he scored two in about three games I think yeah, so the, the youth guys are doing good, but I know what you're saying about Tashan. I mean, I think if if he's struggling at at Lincoln, he ain't got no future here, has he? He's just going to be working down his contract until we can. I mean, whether we'll ever negotiate an exit clause just to get rid, I don't know. But it's, it's I don't know. It just hasn't worked. He, he's just he's just not been anywhere, has he, since he signed? No, he's there's been very few glimpses really of his talent I mean you know looking at his, his history as a youth player and you know in his late teens and that there's obviously ability there but we just haven't seen it have we to be honest no so he's not going to be one that's going to come back I'd rather, much rather one of those younger loan players um, come back to be honest but cool okay happy with that thank you very much Dan I uh, appreciate it it's not the uh, the individual 10 updates like you did the other week uh, where everybody decided to switch off. <laughs> joking, yeah, joking. Oh, well, uh, I'll keep it short. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Right, okay, well, let's move on um, to obviously another big piece. So let's have a look at QPR this weekend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay then, QPR. Um, I'm gonna not going to lie, Dan, I didn't think we'd be doing this section, mate, because I don't have a flipping clue how they can cancel Luton and keep QPR on, but... Either way, uh, QPR <laughs> is scheduled to go ahead. Um, and, I was, uh, I'll be honest, I thought the last thing the Met, Met Police would want is a train full of Stoke fans rocking up in London at this weekend. Well, I mean, they've put it down as like a low-risk game, so I'm guessing there's not been a lot of historical fights and God knows what going on, um, you know, but 
whatever. It's going ahead. That's good because we can't really be cramming many more games in this season as it is. So, uh, yeah, so, so let's start off with the uh, the stats. There's no, obviously, head-to-head uh, today, but uh, what stats have you got for us, mate? Right, so, historically, the QPR played 43 games, won 13, drew 10, lost 20. So, not a great uh, opponent for us. In fact, though, we didn't actually play them until 1968. That was the first time we played them in a league game. Huh. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> good start mm. there, isn't it? They're very late. Uh, our record at Loftus, uh, Loftus Road is 1-4, Drew 7. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> our record at Loftus Road is 1-4, Drew 7, lost 11. Which, again, means not really a good hunting ground for us. Really, four wins in 22. However, the last 10 visits there... We've won three, lost three, drew four. So a lot better recently, really. And before that, you'd have to think we were terrible record there <laughs> before recently, haven't we? Mm, um, yeah. We did, did the double over them last season, both games uh, to nil. So we kept a clean sheet in both games. Um, the biggest win we've had against QPR was in 1973, beat them 4-1. Biggest defeat was in 1984, where we lost 6-0. The last Stoke League hat trick. Do you know this one? I've got Fuller in there, but I don't think it is. Go on. 31st of January 2015, 3-1 home win against QPR. John Walters. Yes. John Walters (laughs) scored all three. Now, do you know, by the time this match comes around on Saturday, there'll have been 2,786 days since that hat trick was scored. And we will have played 321 league games. And nobody, Int- nobody has managed to score a hat-trick. Interestingly, though, right, I, I, that first goal of Baker's, I would have loved to have seen if that would have gone in. Because if that would have gone in, firstly, that Twitter page would have had to stop, which uh, counts up every single day since the, the last hat-trick. But I wonder whether he would have been credited, whether they would have looked at that a bit more carefully. Because to me, on the on the angle that I saw... It didn't look like Baker's shot was going on target. So, hmm. Yes, well, when he did get two last night, and I thought, well, because he obviously he got credited with that goal, didn't he? The um, the one that he didn't think was, like I said, our first goal. Yeah. And when he got two, and obviously I'd already do, I'd already got these stats prepared. I thought, do not now <laughs> go and score a hat trick and steal my thunder of my two thousand seven hundred eighty six days and three hundred twenty one games. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just so you know, there was there has actually been a cup hat trick scored since John Walton scored that one. Do you know? Do you think he may have done that? Um, wasn't Jacob Brown? Was it? No, it was not. But uh, yeah, this is replacing the quiz this week. I'm just giving you a mini <laughs> one on hat tricks. <laughs> um, Peter Crouch scored a hat trick in a four 0 win against Stevenage in the League Cup. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. Wasn't one like a little mini bicycle kick as well? Was it, it was, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the first meeting between Alex Neal and Michael Beale. Um, oh, no, sorry. The first meeting between Alex Neal and Michael Beale happened last month when Sunderland threw away a 2 0 lead conceded in the 87th and 92nd minute to QPR. That was just before he left, obviously, to join us. Uh, Neil's record versus QPR played 10 1 5, drew 2, lost 3. So a lot better than our record. <laughs> now, there is a bit of um, a bit of interesting player stats here. So Joe Bursick has played two games against QPR, not yet to concede a goal, two clean sheets. So we've got the right man between the sticks, I imagine, this weekend. Um be interesting to see whether he stays in goal, though. That, that's the interesting bit. Well, I think. He's gone in, kept a clean sheet. I believe the shirt's got to be his now, hasn't it? To keep. I agree. Yeah. It's one of those. I think Alex Neal's the kind of manager who'll say, "Well, you got injured. That's unlucky. That's unfortunate for you." But the guy who came and did did nothing wrong, so you got to wait your turn. No, don't get injured. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, right. So Morgan Fox has played eight games against QPR, won three, scored twice. Uh-huh. So. That's prolific for Morgan Fox there, isn't it? 
I don't think he scored a goal for us yet. Wow. Okay. Um, how about this though? Right, Nick Powell has played nine games against QPR, won one, drew two, lost six. Cool. The most defeats in his career have come like he's not lost to any team more than he's lost to QPR. He's also <laughs> not played any other team more often without scoring. So he's never scored against Queen's Park Rangers in nine games. Keep him on the bench then. Yeah. He can have a give him the international break, leave him off. <laughs> um, team stats wise, possession 49.9% for Stoke, which is 13th in the league. QPR average 50.7, which is 12th. So, literally, nothing between them. You know, one place if you're looking at it is the league table. Uh, aerial duels, we get 21.5, which puts us seventh in the, in the division. QPR of 16.5, which puts them 17th. So that may hint that we're going to get an advantage, you know, if we mix it up a bit and get some balls, you know, crosses into the box, you know, put the, get the ball in the air a bit, we might benefit from that. Uh, cards, 16, 16 yellows, no reds. Uh, QPR, 14 yellows, no reds. So not much difference there. Uh, shots per game, we are fifth highest in the division with 13.1 still. And QPR, they average 11.5, which is 15th in the division. So, yes, we you know, one near, just nearly two shots extra a game, but it's uh, 10 places in the league table, that is. So, yeah, we actually quite high on shots, aren't we? Mm. Yeah, I noticed at the weekend we had a lot of shots um, on target. I think... I, I, like to see exactly what it finished at, but I think we're about after about sixty minutes, it was seven on target, which is very unlike Stoke. Um, so, yeah. Any more stats for us, Dan? Or is that it? No, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. I'm bore you anymore. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Again, you get comprehensive stats on this podcast. No, no corners caught. So, uh, yeah, nice one, Dan. Um, right. Okay. So, a couple of audios back to back. We have uh, Mr. Graham McGarry, of course, uh, giving his predictions and score prediction, importantly. And also we have Clive from the Loft for Words podcast. So obviously, he's been in touch, as always, and given us a very comprehensive uh, look at QPR and obviously what to expect this weekend. So uh, enjoy. Uh, Clive Whittingham here from the Loft for Words QPR website. Hope you're all well. Uh, recording first thing in the morning after your big win at Hull. So congratulations on that. And before our annual defeat at Millwall this evening. So pray for me on that one. Nothing like a working day that... Starts at six o'clock in the morning and ends with 45 minutes spent in a cage waiting for the police to release you onto a train after a defeat at Millwall. So uh, fun day today. Um, QPR, what can I tell you? Uh, last season, bit of a disaster in the end. Um, laugh it as if you like, but I genuinely thought that we would be top six. We'd finished the previous season really well, spent a bit of money in the summer, made great signings, started the season brilliantly, everything going absolutely swimmingly right through to the end of January. Um, we did January unbeaten. At that point, we were pushing Bournemouth for second. Uh, work offered me a free trip to LA in May and I turned it down because I didn't see any way that we wouldn't be in the playoffs in May. And then we won three of our last 18 games when I think even six wins would have six out of 18 would have um, would have got us into the six. We won three of the last 18 games. Absolutely dire. Lost three times to Peterborough, lost to Barnsley. Um, the one nil defeat at Stoke. I mean, in April, you probably saw how bad we were by that point, And that was the final nail that that meant we couldn't get there. We've gone down the trendy route this summer with Mick Beale, a coaching appointment. I guess we're sort of hoping that he might be our Graham Potter, Steve Cooper, Nathan Jones, Liam Manning, that sort of forward thinking coaching appointment. Basically, QPR are, are, are over a barrel with FFP. The days of us chucking stupid money around, buying Chris Samba, Joey Barton, arseholes like this. Uh, are long gone and we're still paying for those years of excess under Mark Hughes and, and Harry Redknapp. The players to watch in our team, Beal's come in and basically gone to a 4-3-3, ditched the back three that we'd been using for the previous 18 months. The two best players are Ilias Chair and particularly Chris Willock, who I think is actually one of the best players in the league. And he's the one that we're sort of eyeing up as a potential for some, some Eze star money that we could perhaps reinvest in the team and, and go again. 
unfortunately, the, the sort of best proponents of this over the past 10 years have been our neighbours, Brentford, who've gone from a team that we used to play in pre-season friendlies and pat on the head to an established Premier League club in a new stadium. And they did that by buying low and selling high repeatedly. And we've got to get on that conveyor belt. Eze was, was a good start, but we haven't really sold anybody since, which means that the FFP situation is getting worse season on season. Chris Willock, best player in our team, one of the best players in the league, but I'm just looking at him thinking, well, we're going to have to sell him soon to to reinvest. And we're coming up on the last 18 months of his contract as well, and there's no sign of him signing one there. So we might end up in a Brereton-Diaz situation. Been few indications really so far. I mean, we're the fourth top scorers in the league. We've got three two wins against Watford and Middlesbrough and a three one win against Hull under our belt, but we've also lost one nil on three different occasions to pretty poor Swansea and Blackpool teams and Blackburn on the opening day as well. So it's like we're having a lovely time, except for when we're not having a lovely time. Um, it's 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 been a there's very few indications as to what sort of team we're going to be, and Beale admits that himself. Unfortunately, the the brilliant tens we've got, Chair and Willock, be, play behind a lone striker, and most of the, our lone strikers are mostly terrible. Lyndon Dykes is currently running his own Miss of the Season competition, so um, it's difficult to know what to expect from one week to the next. I'm gutted that we didn't get to play Huddersfield at the weekend. I thought that might have been a banker home win just to settle everybody down going into a tough week. Stoke, I find a bit odd. I think the team should be a lot better than it is when you look at it on paper. I know you've had horrendous injuries over the past couple of seasons to key players, which obviously doesn't help. I found it very, very strange to let Michael O'Neill have a, a summer and what budget you've got and make signings and then ditch him six games into the season, really, for no reason that you didn't already know at the end of last season. All the reasons... They were unhappy with him now. They were unhappy with him at the end of last season, right? So I, th- I found that I found that an odd decision, but I do think Alex Neal's a, a good appointment. I, I'm not sure I could watch his team. He's with all the the sort of shit housing that he that he enjoys and is a, is a proponent of. But um, he's obviously he's obviously a really really good manager. And like I say, his teams tend to get one over on us and wind us up a lot. So uh, not not looking forward to seeing him again so soon after we played his Sunderland uh, his Sunderland team and he probably owes us one after that game because the, the goalkeeper equalised so uh, safe travels if you're coming down on Saturday can be a great away day if you if you know what you're doing and where you're drinking so um, if you are coming down safe travels and good luck to Stoke for the rest of the season Hello there once again you Potters predictors this is Graham McGarry looking forward to the weekend's game at Queen's Park Rangers. Both sides, of course, enjoyed good wins in midweek. So getting that first win under their new manager, Alex Neal, with that comfortable 3-0 victory at Hull City. Or Queen's Park Rangers won that London derby against Gary Rowett's Millwall by two goals to nil on Wednesday night. Always a tricky place to go down at the old Shepherd's Bush. The atmosphere is intense. The supporters are close to the pitch. But Stoke could just be finding their feet now and obviously one or two players coming back. A bit more training and coaching on the training ground with Alex Neal and his staff. have got Stoke in good heart as they head for London this weekend. So I'm going to go for them to come back with something and fingers crossed, although it has been a good result for Queen's Park Rangers, I'm going to go for two away wins for the Potters. QPR 1, Stoke City 2. Clive, thank you very much, mate. Um, so, yeah, firstly, you turned down a free trip to LA because you were expecting a promotion push. Are you absolutely out of your mind? I mean, I, lo- <laughs> I, I love Stoke, but I'm, I'm sorry, but if it's Stoke or LA, it's LA every time. <laughs> Not being funny. Uh, I must admit, the football does make us do some crazy, crazy things at times. Um, I must admit, though, a lot of what you said was a lot of similar features um, around prior managers screwing over and leaving with rubbish players and FFP struggles. Um, so there's a, a lot of similarities to bits that you'd said as well. But Dan, I think you picked up on a on something as well, mate. Uh, Ex managers. Yeah, no, so the current manager. Um, oh, current manager. Okay, sorry. Yes, yeah, so Michael Beale. Obviously, it's his first job as a manager, and just I was just doing a bit of research into his really interesting sort of career. So he was a left winger, forced to retire at 21. Uh, we just went into coaching. So, you know, stat, that's yeah, fair enough, going to coaching. Ended up doing a lot of futsal coaching and ended up with a team, basically a team of England internationals. <laughs> the future, as he was doing sort of youth coaching, but doing it with futsal as well, and ended up with like 
uh, people like Dominic Solanke, I believe, and people, you know, a lot of players who ended up playing for England, you know, who've come through and become Premier League players anyway, um, you know, in, 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 the, in their futures. And obviously, he got a bit of credit from that, ended up working for Chelsea, um, going, got back into football rather than futsal, working for Chelsea, took a pay cut to go to Liverpool. Um, because obviously he thought that he'd get better, you know, obviously maybe it was the youth, how the youth system works at Chelsea and, you know, they don't really sort of progress much, do they, uh, historically. Uh, so he went to Liverpool, brought through players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, people like Atwick, with Steven Gerrard, who was the sort of youth coach there. Then when Gerrard got the job at Rangers, he took him with him. So he went there as a first team coach. Then when Gerard got the Villa job, he then took him there with him as well as assistant manager. <laughs> and I think Gerard was quoted as saying that it'd take him over twenty years to to get a you know of coaching to be as good a coach as he is as Michael Beale is. And then in the summer, he left Villa to take his own first steps into management as himself at QPR. So he's had quite an interesting background and. You know, you've got things that that's like, what, 15, 20 years story there to get where he is now. Graham went for a 2-1 prediction, mate. Um, so I don't I don't think he ever predicts Stoke to lose, to be honest. I like Graham. He's always very positive, probably more positive than me and you are half the time. Um, so 2-1. I mean, I'm going to get your prediction now, actually, since we're on that topic, mate. Um, do you agree with Graham? Have you got a different prediction? Um. I'm going to go 2-0. Oh, another clean sheet. Yeah, I think we're, we're following on from um, last night, following on from Tuesday, I think we're going to we're going to get the, the ball rolling now. We're going to get a bit of momentum and then the international break will halt it. <laughs> we'll have to yeah. come back against Watford and start it again. Either way, I mean, three points, I was saying to you earlier on, I mean, three points on bar a bit of goal difference puts us in fifth. It shows how average this league is. I know we're only like nine games into it, but you get yourself a couple of wins back to back, and you fly up this division. Absolutely rocket. Um, yeah, because everybody beats everybody, don't they? And that's unless you're Sheffield United, and then you just win every every game anyway. Told you. I mean, Sheffield and Norwich, <laughs> I think, should have this league tied up. To be honest with you, but um, either way, for everybody else. It pretty much is anyone can beat anyone, like you said. Um, so, yeah. Um, and what's your what's your team? I, I mean, I'll make your life very easy for my my team prediction, mate. It's going to be exactly the same team that that won at the weekend. I don't I don't see how you can change a winning team, even if Tyrese is fit and back. He's he's, he's on the bench for me. Um, yeah, have you got anything only... dramatically different? No, I I'd stick with the same eleven, fitness pending. Um... Whether he wants to give Josh time in back-to-back games after just coming back from injury, but if obviously the fitness coaches and all that, if he um, if obviously consults consults with them and if they say yeah he's good to go then yeah get the same team. If not, probably bring Fossu in at left left wing back. That be yeah that be my only worry is um, can time and do you know four two days in, two games in four days. After being out for a few weeks, yeah, yeah. Last thing I wanted him injured again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That that was my worry with it being a bit out of the blue. He might have been completely fit and just. I mean, obviously, it went off as a hobble. I think Alex Neil said that it was it was actually just a, a you know, precautionary, wasn't it? But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, let's let's not rush him back. He is too <laughs> we, important. We're very quickly coming to understand that we can't. We don't listen to what Alex Neil says. Yeah. Like I say, mate, Harry Clark will be back next week, full fitness, raring to go. Which I, I hope he does. I hope he does. I'm surprised he didn't come out and say, yeah, we've seen him. He's out for the season. Definitely not playing the weekend. Okay, so uh, Super 6. Just wanted to run through um, Super 6. So, okay, Super 6 then. I'll just give a bit of an overview. It's not actually changed, I don't think, too dramatically. Uh, there was a couple of games tonight, which I think may potentially change it a little bit. Uh, but still, uh, Matthew is top on 86 points. Glenn Goodwin is second on 83. Carl Warburton is still up there. He's, I think he's been up there pretty much all, all season. He's on 81 points. Uh, you got Ash Merce with 78 and Robert Wally with 78. 
And then in joint fifth um, is Keith Coleman on 77. Um, Andy is 16th with 71 points. He's a respectable position there. Um, I'm in 30th, unfortunately. Um, I think I've got 68 points, something like that. And Dan, <laughs> where do you think you are, mate? Well, seeing as I forgot to do it yet again, I mate, I literally, I literally sent you my predictions in <laughs> the, in a group chat. I'm like, this will prompt him to do it. And I, I don't know, I don't know my bloody voice pro led. This will prompt you to do it rather, um, and you still bloody miss it. Come uh, on. I even replied, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you anyway, you're 101st <laughs> on, on 20 points, so if, you if fly any, high. If it's any consolation, I forgot to do my gaffer team too. Things though, the gaffer, unless there's any big dramatic injuries, then you don't really need to change that every single week, to be honest. Um, but anyway, speaking of gaffer, do you have the gaffer updates for us? I do. So, Andy's in 35th on, with 444 points. I am in 32nd with 450. And leading the way for this podcast is yourself in 29th with 462. So, if we actually look to the top end of the table, then we have Jack Curran on 651. He leads the way. And we have at Stoke Gaffer on 639 in second place. And making the return to the top three, Pookie Blinders. Oh. Back in, yeah, back into sneaking into the bronze medal position with 622 points. So, yes, that's uh, the top three. Good. Lovely. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a few similar names there, but good old Pookie uh, coming up from the rear. So, well done. Um, we're not going to do a quiz this week. We're going to be saving that for, for the next one. Um, but is there any other comments you've got for us, Dan? Have you got any referee stats maybe on? I do have referee stats. So Good I lad. don't know what's going on with these referees, right? Last three games, well, the last three scheduled games, because obviously we've never went ahead. We've, we've had referees who we've already had this season. So it's like they've picked about five refs out for us and they just keep rotating them. Jerry's like, how can we have three refs that we've already had when we'd only played like six games before? (laughs) Uh, But anyway, the ref this week is Matthew Donahue. So this season, he's refed five games, 19 yellows, no reds, or one penalty. Can you remember which Stoke game he refed us? No. It was the 3 1 defeat to Huddersfield. Where he gave us three yellow cards, but he did award us a penalty, which is his one penalty he's given this season. Uh, it's just a shame that Lewis Baker then had it saved by the keeper. <laughs> um, QPR's record with Matt Donahue is eight games. They've had five wins, one de- one draw, and two defeats. Uh, Stoke, uh, he's ref Stoke seven times. We've won two, drew one, lost four. So that doesn't bode well, does it? Because QPR generally win and Stoke generally lose yeah. when he's in charge. Uh, he, as for us, he also refed our 1-0 defeat at home to Bristol City in April, uh, but he hasn't actually refed a QPR game in 2022. So hopefully those QPR stats there in all them wins are long gone. Bloody hope so, mate. It'd be nice to actually get a couple of back-to-back wins. Feels so rare. Um, and also another win in London, you know, because we went a long time without winning in London, didn't we, before we beat QPR last year? Yes, we did, mate. Um, but whatever. I think we will. I- I'm feeling really confident, mate. I mean, I've gone for a 2-1 win, which I think Graham was copying off me, uh, quite frankly. But yeah, I've gone for a, a 2-1 win, mate. I-, I think we will concede. I don't know why. Um, I should be confident that we've got a, a strong defence behind us now, but... Maybe not. Uh, yeah, anyway. I think it'll be tested. I mean, I know I said 2-0, but I don't think, you know, it's going to be plain sailing by any means. I think, obviously, you've got a live chair is the obvious one, isn't it, that you have to yeah. watch out for. And then you've got Willock as well, um, who I think, personally, is better than, you know, the Beef Brother who plays for Newcastle. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I think on the on that audio we had earlier, they, they, they mentioned Damon, that was probably one of the in their eyes, one of the best players um, in the division. Which is oh, probably yeah. not a, an unfair comment, that isn't, I don't think. I think it's 
perfectly reasonable to say that. And I mean, either way, I I think we've got more than enough to come away with something. As long as we don't lose, I'm happy with that. Because again, it's it's just I know it sounds silly, but you you don't want to have big gaps forming uh, towards that top six. You know, I know there's a hell of a long way to go yet, but there's you know the the closer you can keep to that pack, the better. This division is so average. Um, bar probably the Sheffields and the Norwiches, no doubt. I mean, West Brom, who everyone thought, oh, you know, they're going to have a, have a potential good time, um, are, what, 20th now? Um, so yeah. it, it could all switch around yet. But either way, mate, I'm confident. Anything else you want to say before we go? Um, no, I mean, we're back at, the, back at the weekend, aren't we? Yes, we're going to be reviewing the QPR game, aren't we? But then, obviously, we've got the international break. But I think you're still planning to do, potentially, an international uh, well, pod I anyway. Might, I might be going solo for this, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and Andy assures us that he's going to be back. So if anyone is <laughs> is got a hankering for Andy, which I'm surely appreciate it if you do, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, he, he, he should be back. If not, Dan, I'll pretend to be Andy and I'll put on a, a squeaky voice or something. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Um, as always, social media channels, Twitter is every step along on Facebook as well. I think we're very, very close to about 200 people um, on our newly created Facebook group. And 1,800 so on Twitter. And 18, over 1,800 on Twitter as well. So, uh, yeah, um, everyone who's been commenting and contributing, thank you very much. Support is always appreciated. Um, and, yeah, we'll catch you all um, probably on Monday now when this when the next one goes live. So thanks, everyone, and uh, fingers crossed for three points. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.